SpecFicMedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast with hosts E.G. Holyfield, Christiana Ellis, Chooch, Viv, and Nuchus. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do the fade and I thumbed it anyways. <laughs> Here is our season four wrap up show. Finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we've had plenty <laughs> of time to marinate and mm-hmm. think about the last season. Mm-hmm. Forget about it a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I was going to say, uh, forget about it, move, then lose the access to being able to review them on the DVR when we moved. So it's like, <laughs> go through notes. Yeah. Lots yeah. Of reading. So, yeah. everybody knows our cast. Oh, Christiana doesn't have a lower third, so... Oh, let me turn that on. Specifically, <laughs> Christiana Ellis. Gosh, I'm out of practice. <laughs> How have you been? Been doing okay. So busy, though. I feel like I've had something, like, something scheduled every single day for, like, two weeks. It's, mm. it's like, it's all good stuff, but it's driving me a little bit crazy. <laughs> Good to keep you busy. We have yeah. uh, Nutty. How are you doing? Hello, everyone. I am calling in from... Oh, it's not a new location, because the last time we got together, I was in this location. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. beyond the wall, just uh, over in... Uh, no longer in Eastwatch. I'm more towards uh, Castle Black. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I completely understand uh, Christiana's struggles there. Uh, before the holidays, I felt that way completely, and I blocked off uh, two or three weeks where I was going to be doing no recording whatsoever. The first weekend, I had six invitations to be on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> and uh, so as soon as I came back, uh, it was, can you be on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. Next up, we have Viv. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> And of course, our recent newses are combined, more or less. Mm. Wouldn't you say? Mm. <laughs> we've been crazy too. We've we've moved, so this is new. First test of our new recording rigs and rigs. locations <laughs> and wall reflection noises and all this fun <laughs> stuff. He's yeah, right you're there. probably gonna have to. You're gonna have to hang some. Uh, some blankets or something, but other than yeah. that, I mean, it's pretty good. I I will say you guys are much brighter this year. True. Uh, in this location, uh, yeah. Viv was always just like this face in the darkness. <laughs> the dark blue walls. Yeah, I had that dark blue walls behind me. I was like, hmm, I do kind of look like a the face from Doctor Who. <laughs> the face of Bo. No, 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 no. The, the stretched out face. Oh, Lady Cassandra. Sandra, right. Right. Moisturize me. The last pure human. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, so <laughs> us moving, we're going to be grandparents soon, which is mm, <laughs> crazy, and we know it's going to get a bit crazier. Although, is there a new food update, Viv? Gouache. Ooh. Right? Nice. <laughs> nice little... 
and we can't wait for him to get here. So exciting and goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Jump into a little bit of Game of Thrones news. There's been a few announcements and different things Mm -hmm. going on. Uh, One I had on here is that episodes nine and 10 of season four are coming to IMAX theaters. They're being digitally remastered, the audio and the video for the super large format screen. There's a trailer on YouTube. There's a trailer announcing they're going to show the trailer for season five in the IMAX theaters. (laughs) It's pretty cool. (laughs) Wait, so people can go to IMAX theaters each week to watch the episodes? No, no, no. It's just this one time, season four, episodes nine and ten are going to be shown together as a two-hour block. And then there will be a trailer for season five. Uh, so as far as I know, it's a one-time thing. It's um, it's listed as showing for a week, um, starting January 29th. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I know here in D.C., it's only showing through the weekend. They're not going all the way through the 7th. Right. So I don't even think we have an IMAX near us. And it's worth looking into, because there's there's more theaters showing it than I expected. Well, and also IMAX is a uh, brand that has been yeah. somewhat diluted in recent years. I just mean, you know, IMAX used to mean something back when yeah. I was a kid. Yes. But no, I just, I, I mean, you know, these days, uh, you know, there's a lot more theaters that are, you know, quote, IMAX, um, which means that they might have a presentation of these episodes. Yeah. So they actually yeah. delayed the release by a week because they added more theaters. It was mm-hmm. going to be like 150 at first. And now I'm not sure what the total number is going to end up being, but I know they've really expanded it because there was so much interest. Well, there's an well, IMAX in Vaughn. So I, I'm going to have to go look at that. I yeah. mean, that's not too mm-hmm. far away. And I, I've got a link. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes for yeah. the uh, actual, the direct link to IMAX because they're doing pre-order tickets, but it'll find the location closest <laughs> to you for the date that you want. I, I, I definitely say HBO, if the idea came to me because I misunderstood this, if HBO had uh, the new episodes in theaters, I would pay money every single week to see <laughs> an episode in a theater. Yeah. yeah. If I go yeah. Sunday or Monday night and watch Game of Thrones, I totally would do that. Well, who knows? Maybe this is just a uh, you know a trial balloon they're yeah. sending up. I mean, I I can totally envision the HBO executives going. People seem to like this Game of Thrones show. Maybe we should continue throwing spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, this is a total sidetrack. But Viv. I think the Scott Pilgrim versus the world poster that is behind you on the floor is perfect. Thank you. Not just that it's a great poster for a great movie, but the fact that it's just leaning against the wall on the floor just <laughs> feels right for that movie. I, like I you shouldn't even really hang it up. <laughs> Christiane is the only one that's actually moved into her recording space. You notice she's got uh, a lot nice blinds behind her. I'm getting pretty close actually. So there are some boxes where you can't, uh, can't see them quite. Uh, there's actually uh, maybe some in the corner over there, but uh I see some yeah, Amazon smiley. I'm getting people. close. I'm getting close to where I feel like I am officially unpacked. The uh, the biggest decision I have right now is to decide what to do all the, with all these old uh, rock band instruments. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, and and Viv and Chuch and I all have the blank walls behind us. 
because we have not moved in yet. <laughs> I could not. I, I planned on it. I was like making sure that our background would be nice. And I was just like, I think I'm just going to sit down for five minutes instead and not do that. And just left it. And I passed by Scott Pilgrim and I was like, come on, friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then didn't even have time to look for a thumbtack to see if it was strong enough to hold it up. Christiana, how long have you <laughs> been you there? For Two years? Um. Well, at this apartment, you mean, or because oh, I've only right. been at this apartment, apartment since November, but um, I've been in Boston since uh, November 2011, so right. just over three years now. But yeah, that's right. You moved apartment. So you moved in in November and you're more unpacked than I am. <laughs> I moved in August. I am a putz. <laughs> it, no, it's deceptive. It's deceptive because behind me is the unpacked, nice-looking part. <laughs> See, and I'm, I, I'm not showing you what's over there or what's <laughs> over there or how I still have all my posters up against the wall so wrapped in brown paper. So, yeah, I, it, I, it, I've got the, this field of view presentable <laughs> is what I've got. Well done. This field of view is not presentable. <laughs> <laughs> it's so better we, than before. We have a first uh Question the Q and A app if people are on click on the event page on Google Plus, and we have a oh, nice. comment from Dave Robinson. Robinson, sorry, Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We will all be arriving at the IMAX in costume. You could totally Rocky Horror this thing. I bet I you there will be people. <laughs> I, you know what, I. I would love to have a set of Brienne armor and to do that cosplay. Oh, yeah. That would be so fun, except that it's also just the sort of thing like, there's no way I could make it myself. So it's like, ready yeah, to but, uh, exactly. And uh, did I mention I just moved? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but... I, I don't think I have any costume pieces that could, could go for our Game of Thrones cosplay. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we can easily put something together as long as it didn't have to be armor. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the that's the trick. <laughs> right. Although just showing up in our Beyond the Wall t-shirts More, is cool exactly. Enough. Yeah, we're covered. <laughs> I'm gonna have to order a new one because mine. I've been wearing it so much; it's getting worn out. Oh, I already had to order a second one. Viv <laughs> <laughs> has a bit of news on that. Hmm? What? Viv had a bit of news on that. Yeah, Didn't I you? was... Uh, one of the things that we had talked about was uh, doing a new logo and uh, artwork and, and all that kind of stuff uh, for, you know, season five. And we're going to work all that out. We have, haven't even started really talking about it yet, but... Uh, anybody that wants to order the the BTW crew, you know, the shirt that PG um, designed, and you can still buy it at the original place. That account hasn't closed or anything, mm-hmm. and it will go to benefit the, you know, anything sold there. Of that design for sure, because he designed it, would go to the trust fund, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what we had said before? Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, uh... So guess, they're going to be there for a while. Sorry. There's no, there's no rush. They're going to be there for a while. We're not changing the logo like anytime immediate, right away soon. Probably not anytime before. You know, people would be ordering for Balticon if anybody wanted to. Yeah. Beckfit Media adjust my adjusted my audio level. Should I be insulted? <laughs> no, um, I was going to mention. 
I didn't mean to interrupt while you were talking, Viv, but I just realized that uh, Sheriff Bullock left a comment on the um, on the event page. Um, he says, "Who has two thumbs and tickets to see Game of Thrones and IMAX?" This guy, absent gesture. He also says, P.S., I can't see Q&A on my Hangout, only Showcase. Google Plus is weird, y'all. Yeah, it is. There (laughs) is, um, sometimes there's a little box with a bunch of little dots in it, and you click that, and you can choose Q&A instead of Showcase. It may be missing if you're on mobile, though. I don't know. Oh, true. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll try to keep an eye on the comments here, too, just in case uh, anyone needs to comment that way. Very Thank cool. you, Christiana. I was still trying to figure out how to <laughs> do that. I've forgotten. Very cool. I think Nettie had another Game of Thrones related news piece, news bit. I did. I did. This came across my Tumblr uh, dashboard this week. And uh, hang on, I'm just going to move in closer so I can read my screen better. So stream close up. <laughs> uh, it was a a picture of the first page in the World of Ice and Fire, which, by the way, is amazing. Uh, which is the world book uh, for A Song of Ice and Fire, the books that this show is based on. Uh, the world book was put together by Elio and Linda of Westeros.org, and um, these two people George has been using as his fact-checkers uh, for in-world stuff because they are the the know-how and they know everything uh, of the world, so it was a perfect fit. Not only that, almost everything that is Targaryen related in there was written by George. He wrote a bunch of new content for this book. Uh, the really neat thing is uh, it's the book that Tyrion presents to Joffrey at his wedding, and then Joffrey mm. cuts up, and there's only a few copies awesome. left of it. And so it's a history book of the world written from the perspective of a maester. So there's a, some uh, unreliable narrator stuff going on, too. It's really neat. Very well done. <laughs> can, uh, can, I, can I show you guys something? Right back. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a uh, on the Q&A, Tim Dodge checking in. Greetings, Westerosians. Greetings, hey, Tim. Tim. <laughs> Christiana loves again. to build suspense. Oh, she's got her book right there. Oh, so jealous. Yeah. <sighs> so jealous. Cool. Oh, I have to remember where the actual camera is. <laughs> and the really neat thing is uh, it's so soft, you could use it as a pillow if you wanted to. It is. It's kind of like it's like puffy almost. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Our sister-in-law gave us uh, the book for Christmas, which was it, wild. Like It I is super beautiful, you guys. Check out this, oops, this one of the wall. I don't know how well it'll show up on the... Uh, Ooh. Uh, yeah, the picture is not going to be uh, conveyed in its full uh, glory. Oh, you don't um, have yeah. IMAX. Over the webcam. <laughs> yeah, no IMAX. If this so was anyway, so this, this story came Dragons. Out, uh, from Spirited Fox. Just wanted to tell you a little story. My dad was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer in August last year. and was given three to six months to live. He died January 4th this mm. year. Anyway... Just before Christmas, I wanted to give my dad at least a few moments of joy. My dad loved games, Game of Thrones, so I searched up George R. R. Martin's email address and sent an email explaining the situation and asking if he could reply with a few words of encouragement for my dad. I knew it was a long shot because even on his website, he states that he can't reply to all the fan mail emails he gets. 
Two days later, I had an email back from him. He was wondering if my dad had read The World of Ice and Fire, a history book of his world. I said I don't think he had, and he offered to send us an inscribed copy of the book. Not too long after the book arrived, I was expecting a normal-sized book, but what I got was huge. It was... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was so excited to give it to my dad, and I couldn't have gotten a better reaction. In all my years of my life, I have never seen him that happy. He, he even made himself get it up to give me a hug. I'm so glad that I could arrange that for him. Whether George R. R. Martin has assistance writing his emails, email replies, or he does it himself, whoever is at the other side of that email address is an amazing, kind-hearted person. I've emailed back and forth with him quite a bit and let him know uh, a while ago that my dad had passed. He, he sent his condolences. I honestly can't think, thank him enough. The expression on my dad's face when he opened the book is something that will stay with me forever. What was written in the book was, Some dreams of fire to help keep the winter at bay. With his signature, I'm truly grateful that man exists. And uh, I explained, I uh, sent a message to Spirit of Fox saying that from what I was able to, uh, what I know from George's live journal and everything, he has one, maybe two assistants help him with uh, fan mail and stuff. So it was probably brought to his attention. And then the response was most likely from him. If it's not from him, uh, the assistant explains that who it is. So like Ty will say, this is Ty writing this. So that was really cool. And I thought it was awesome. And from the picture that I saw, it, it looked like it was a special copy too. Cool. So I just... I just thought that was really great, and it was yeah. a, a warm, touching story for the creator of our fandom. George mm-hmm. doesn't hate everybody. He doesn't kill everybody. <laughs> no. He kills because he loves. Right. <laughs> he kills because he wants to keep us engaged. <laughs> Does anybody uh, want to give their overall feelings for season four as a whole, wow. as a narrative? Hmm. Like, you know, it's interesting because season four, I think even more than any of the preceding seasons, which, I mean, this makes sense, but it definitely is a season that feels like a middle season. That doesn't make any sense. Um, What I guess I mean is just that, you know how sometimes in the middle of a season you'll have an episode where you feel like, okay, we're we're getting all the pieces in place, right? Well, this season kind of feels a little bit like the equivalent of that, with the caveat that some big stuff actually does happen, of course. But there is also, I think, um, a lot of pieces moving around because the whole season is about – like early on we lose Joffrey and that's just leaves everybody in this position of, Oh geez, what's happening now? There's a vacuum. Everything is chaos. And so the whole season is kind of about everything kind of starting to spin out of control. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. A a whole lot of shit happening to set the board. I, I think that I've been, you know, 
I'm kind of easy to please, I guess, with the series because I think they've made so many brilliant casting decisions and execution decisions, and and um, I'm clearly a big fan of how they're doing it. Um, so I don't think it would surprise anybody to say that I love the season overall, and that I went <laughs> I went to a lot of. Um, it, going back to rewatch episodes for for recording these, which we would do two, three, four times sometimes for me, and just every time getting that same emotional punch, maybe less and a little bit more each time, but still feeling it. I mean, that's not that that's not easy to do when you're you know covering it as information that you're gathering to keep feeling that emotion every time, to cry every time, you know that. That you know, and just the different things that happen, but I think they just, I I think they really nailed it this season. <laughs> Kevin Crosby, wait, was it under control before? Yeah. Hey, Kevin, we got a hello from Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Hey, hey Kevin. Uh, Tim Dodge was in there earlier too. Yes, yes, and Dave Robeson. Uh, I I have to say that uh, this last season, I think overall. Uh, and structurally, I liked it a lot better than the season before. And the thing that's interesting to note is that um, season three and season four are supposed to be one book. There's some pieces mm-hmm. from other books, but mm-hmm. essentially it's one book split up into two seasons. Mm-hmm. I think the latter half, uh, season four, was much better because it was bookended by two really big um story elements you know you had you had the purple wedding and you had uh Tyrion's trial and Tywin's assassination and everything mm-hmm. and do so you start off strong as as Christiana was saying like wait a minute <laughs> now what and you go through the whole thing and it's a whole other wait a minute <laughs> now what <laughs> um and so i think i think it's a lot more engaging and a lot more exciting um but all in all, I'm still happy that they broke up the the book into two seasons because I think if they tried to do one season, it would just have been very difficult to tell the story properly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but I'm, I've been hoping, and that's why I haven't looked it up because I don't want to be disappointed, that they continue to do that where they break up the books into multiple seasons. Because mm-hmm. they're just long, y'all. <laughs> I suspect that they will, although it's even harder to tell exactly like having one season represent any one part of any book because they've got all the different storylines at completely different places compared to the books at this point. So even if we want to call season four the second half of book three, there's all sorts of stuff that have happened in it that doesn't happen until midway into book five in the books. So it's interesting that they they definitely have some of the different storylines out of sync compared to where they were in the books. I mean, it's I think it's working fine as far as the show goes, but we'll also have to see what happens, for example, with Bran's storyline in this coming season, given that they've already pretty much caught him up all the, almost all the way through what he is in the end of book five already. So what do they do with him this season? It's hard to know. Yeah, or you know, if we just don't see from him at all, or 
if they forego, uh, they completely break with literary reality and mm-hmm. go their own way in a sense. If you I mean, didn't see kind it, of, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. They've kind of already said they're going to do that. Didn't didn't we find out last year that they had already um, that George had already given over what was going to happen and that they were going to do what they were going to do with it and. If he if they killed off a character in the TV show, that that wasn't going to alter the timeline for him. Am I imagining that, or did we get some sort of statement like that? Um, he 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 gave them, as he said, the broad strokes, uh, none of the little details. He when they started the show, he basically told them, "Look, these are the broad strokes of what's going to happen, all the way until the end of the series. It is up to them to decide." if they hold those through in the series, they have the ability to stray from the canon and the broad strokes he gave them, but they do know what George says is essential to right. keep it on track. Well, and what Christiana is saying is exactly right, because I just verified um, that, um, that Tyrion, you don't even get anything of him in book four at all. And we're, I, we just saw the, trailer for the IMAX two episodes plus the full size trailer sneak peek um, and they show Tyrion in it and you know he's not in book four except other than because the way it was that the one that was one tome and they split it into half the different yeah. uh, POVs so in the first half uh, in the in well in book three it was certain POVs and book four had other POVs and they just kind of both progressed the storylines together but out of sync yeah, um, that, basically, that well, that's how it was presented to us. When Feast of Crows came out, George had said, uh, I wanted to do this whole big book, and we realized it was getting five. too long. And um, so the publisher said, oh. we've got to break it up. It's too yeah. long. So he split it between the north and the south. Mm-hmm. That was in theory. So when Feast of Crows came out, we all said, hey, we're not going to have to wait that long for the next book because he's already got it written. And then six years happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, yeah. it is. Um, it's more along the lines of like Feast for Crows takes care of quite a few points of views. Mm-hmm. And then Dance with Dragons takes care of the others. And then somewhere... In in either halfway between or towards the back of Dance with Dragons, they all kind of meet up again. Mm-hmm. There is an alternative reading list out there that I, I still need to do where people have placed them chronologically. So it works really well with ebooks. So you can go back and forth between the books yeah. to keep it in chronological order. And I, I really want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I just haven't gotten around to it because it's time consuming to it's it's hard to switch books when you're reading. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I want to I want to try that out. So I don't know how they're going to handle this. I do know mm-hmm. that there's no way they're not going to have Peter Dinklage in the <laughs> show right, every right. season. <laughs> so I yeah, exactly. There's no way that they could have ever done um done it the way they did in the books, yeah. which even if they could, I wouldn't have advised it because it was a weird way to split the books. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. I like the books still, but that was but weird. It was Cry, cry. To, to have the whole book without uh, Tyrion. Um, so Tim Dodge in Q&A asks, I'm only halfway through Feast for Crows and I haven't read Dance with Dragons. Am I at serious risk of spoilers if I don't speed read between now and April? Well, I would say 
in a sense, yes, because there's already been some that you wouldn't yeah. have seen yet if yeah. you're that's where you are. Um, now that said, it's also true that to the extent that they're creeping up on where, catching up with where the books are, they're inventing stuff. Yeah. So there was all sorts of stuff this season that wasn't uh, in the books at all, like all the stuff with them going to get the mutineers at Craster's Keep. I mean, none of that was in the book. And so probably they're going to have to invent even more stuff. But I would say, is there going to be spoilers? I would say almost for sure there's already been some. Yeah, agreed, 100%. Um, oh, and that reminds me, there's another bit of news story. It was presented as if... George came out and, and said something new, but it wasn't. George came um, out? <laughs> Bad joke. Uh, a Redditor basically went, uh, the, the the original drafts of George's manuscripts. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Notes are on display somewhere. I don't have yeah. the article in front of me, so if you Google it, you'll be able to find it. But it has his editing notes. Now, one of my mm-hmm. big problems with the brand storyline has been that they dropped out a complete character a whole character that i thought was really important and i had all sorts of theories as to why they were important and so the editor writes in their green pen is this person actually this person is that why this is happening if so here's your continuity errors and george just responds in a big red pen no (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, without uh, going further into the details of what that spoiler was, anyone who really wants to know can certainly find it. Um, There was a whole, yeah, big whole mystery as to a certain character's identity, and he basically has answered it definitively with those notes now, so. Yeah, which he answered it definitively years ago. Yeah, but uh, it's public (laughs) knowledge. It's it's now online, yeah. Yeah. And uh, finding that out, though, makes me less upset that, that character is not part of the show. So there you go. That makes sense. And it's not the character that PG and I were upset about not being part of the last episode. Yeah, that was diff- <laughs> that's a whole different other thing. Uh, that's a whole different thing. It wasn't just you and PG. Or, no, was it? You guys were talking in code. <laughs> don't even touch this. Don't even. Just wipe it from your mind. <laughs> don't even think yeah, about it again. Don't think of now. So I thought season four, uh, at least compared to the uh, previous seasons, I kind of went back and looking over my notes and different things and trying to remember because it is all blurring together what happened when which season. Um, And I can only imagine from the books when things get shifted and remembering Mm -hmm. where things go or where they happened. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that my voting on the show here had fallen in line, that I think it just gets better and better and better every season. Um, I'm enjoying more and more. I was just going to say, do you want to know your scores? But obviously you've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one thing I, I will say, and I, I feel like it it's important to uh, discuss, but I don't want to you know, have it dominate too much of the conversation necessarily. But this season also had the only example that I can really think of, of what I felt was a serious misstep for the show. Mm, And that was the scene where, at least as depicted on screen, Jamie rapes Cersei. Yep. And it's, it became clear as the season went on and based on the way the, producers talked about it 
that that was not what they intended it to be. But and that's how it was. Yes, exactly. When you watch it on screen, it seems really clear, and it's yeah. frankly pretty disappointing that that's what they would produce if it wasn't exactly what they were trying to that's show. Good, like, I just mean, yeah. how could anyone watch that and not reach that conclusion and or at least kind of say, guys, isn't this a little, you know, rapey? Yeah. I mean, it's like... <laughs> Get a focus audience. <laughs> yeah, so I just feel like given that it became clear that it wasn't their intent for it to come across that way, maybe they were trying to ride the edge, but they shot way they over it. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so I just feel like there's certainly been times on the show before where, you know, maybe I thought, oh, okay, yeah, that episode wasn't the greatest, or, oh, this part was a little boring, or... I don't know about that, but this, I think, was really the only example I can think of where it really just feels like they did a bad job. Yeah. And and that's something that everyone on this cast agreed with. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I remember when we were talking about it and we were all just like, yeah, no, this is, this is wrong. <laughs> so... Yeah. So, like, I don't feel like it ruins the, the whole show by any stretch, but I think it's worth pointing out if only so that we can try to make it clear to them, yeah, you guys do, do, do better than that, okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, like our rating of this season would have been much higher if it weren't for that. Because I, it was freaking low because of that. Mm-hmm. That one episode is is our lowest score, and yeah. Well, yeah. it just it be it. It has so many issues in addition to just kind of having been unpleasant to watch. I mean, there's certainly episodes that are not fun to watch exactly, but not quite in this off-putting way. Yeah, nobody's going to be right. uh, popping in their DVD and saying, hey, you know what, let's watch The Red Wedding before we go out and party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or if they do, you wonder what kind of party they're going to. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what I was just going to say also, though, is that I think the big tragedy of it in addition is that it just puts this huge rewind on Jamie's redemption arc as depicted in the show, because he had made so much progress and then that happens. And for a lot of people, it just completely reset everything. And it just made everyone go like, Oh, see, he had me fooled for a while, but I guess he's just a bad guy after all. Yep. And that's a shame because that's clearly not what they were intending to have happen, but that's what they accomplished. And it's also, again, like, I just, I can't quite get over the idea that, I mean, it would be one thing if they decided to change what happens in the story and have it be a rape. I mean, I'm not sure I would have been a fan of that change exactly, but I could see the support for it. Like, I could see the argument for why it might happen that way. But the fact is, they came out and said, Rape? Oh, I don't think so. She seems kind of into it. That bit where she's grabbing the shroud. Like, what? <laughs> I feel really uh, badly. Luna agrees. Yes. Romantic partners. <laughs> so anyway, like yeah. I said, we don't have to have that dominate the whole discussion, but I just feel like we can't talk about the season in general without mentioning that. Because it's, I feel like it's the first really substantial stumble that the show has had, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
bad execution. So uh, what about uh, highlights? Oberyn! Season four. Mm. <laughs> yes, Falling in love Oberyn. with Oberyn again. Mm. <laughs> Oberyn Every being episode. portrayed well and properly. Mm-hmm. I did not mm-hmm. think that they were going to really get his essence. And I was not expecting the whole bisexual, pansexual, polyamorous lifestyle. You know, just the, there are no rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that they went there made me so happy. I was, I was so happy that they did that. And, mm-hmm. and I, my only problem with, the Oberyn thing is that there wasn't more. I could watch a whole <laughs> spin-off series about Oberyn, you know? Mm-hmm. Prequel? That'd be great. Well, and I think, too, that um, it's obviously how awesome he was that made his ultimate fate kind of so shocking. Um, you know, I certainly talked to some people who maybe thought that they went more shocking than they had to. And I think certainly they uh, made an effort to make even people who theoretically knew what was going to happen just go, <gasps> yeah. That, <laughs> that was, was kind a, of a my spectacle. reaction. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's also something that I thought was, you know, if not the specific details, um, the fact that it would go down that way was just so well supported from everything that had come before that even like, I, you know, I remember talking to my, my friend Mike who had not read the books and he was way into Oberyn, like, you know, cause who wouldn't be, he's awesome. So, but he, he often is one of those people who kind of gets an inkling of things that are going to happen and, but this was one of the ones he was telling me where, like, he was starting to see it coming, like, about halfway through the fight sequence. But he kept just trying to tell himself, no, 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 I mean, come on. But but you just, you see, you do start seeing it. That's where the scene starts laying the groundwork. You see him and cocky, so focused on making it about Tywin that he's not, you know, he's not finishing step one before he's going to step two. Right. He wanted the confession and the kill, not just the kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Which uh, in hindsight yeah. is so greedy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing is, for him, the confession was more important than the kill. Well, yeah, he I mean, he could... people to know. Right. It's, yeah. you know, as far as he was concerned, yeah, he wants the mountain to die, but the mountain wasn't the one who gave the order. You know, yeah. he is like, he feels like, well, if you actually got the justice you wanted, the town, uh, the mountain dying would just be a natural consequence of that. Um, exactly. And so, but it was definitely a lesson, you know, in arrogance, you know, for him that unfortunately, you know, like, he didn't have very much time to reflect on, on that. <laughs> but uh, also an illustration for, for Tyrion that, you know, um, it's one thing to say, you know, beggars can't be choosers in terms of who's going to fight for you. But it just goes to show you that, like, when the person who's offering to help you really has his own reasons for doing it, it just goes to show you that they're not going to necessarily 
place you as their priority. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that death, by the way, sparked a meme that I absolutely love. Uh, we've all seen the browser memes, right, where it's making fun of how slow Internet Explorer is, right? So it's got all the different browsers, and it's a, right. you know, rest in peace, uh, Oberyn, rest in peace, Oberyn. And then there's Internet Explorer who goes, rest in peace, well, uh-oh, sorry. Uh, you guys don't know what's going on, but suddenly an ad started playing, and that was really cool. <laughs> My ears started blasting. Anyway, so then everyone, all the browsers, you know, were saying, you know, Firefox and Chrome are saying, rest in peace, over and and uh, and Internet Explorer says, rest in peace, Ned Stark. And then the best part <laughs> is when somebody adds Netscape, and it says, rest in peace, Rhaegar Targaryen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I I liked the uh, remix that someone did of that scene that basically just makes it look like uh, Oberyn does win after all. Like it just it just basically re-edits the sequence a little bit and just makes him look like he he actually does go ahead and finish the job and then just walks away and he's happy and everyone everyone cheers and it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> alternate reality. Oh. Yeah. Steve Pritchard says, "Do you think they went with Oberyn's full?" essence to make his demise that much more shocking as he was such a well-liked character i hope so yeah i mean i yeah he i think i think it's not even just the show though i mean i think that you know it's george R. R. martin doing his martin thing you know what i mean it's it's kind of like you make someone super awesome and then you pull a rug out from everybody <laughs> or you know just the idea i think you know, I'm not sure that I, I can think of any particular events in the books where it doesn't feel ultimately supported by how it all plays out. But there is definitely times where you you can take a step back and say, okay, here's where he's building up to a point where it's going to be super awesome when you kill that guy. And uh, just especially tying not only him being likable in his own right, but then tying Tyrion's fate apparently uh, to him as well. And then just the idea, too, that you have the, the mental state that puts Tyrion in afterwards is what directly leads into what happens with him next. And mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Good uh, plotting. Yeah. Highlight for me or... Two two kind of coming of ages. One, first of all, Sam through mm. this season and uh, mm-hmm. really coming into his own and towards the end, you know, finally manning up and kissing Gilly. And it's really great to see that um, you think one character that, that could have died <laughs> in that environment <laughs> so many times, <laughs> and, and especially what he was up against. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's a good one. And like Sam is, he's at kind of a critical moment in his character growth right now because they haven't quite built to it. But he's he's getting to this point where. Like, as much as his own instinct is to call himself a coward still or a craven and to think that he's not good at anything or at least that the things he is good at aren't worth anything. Right. Um, you feel like at some point 
just the the weight of the evidence of stuff that he has actually accomplished is going to have to start sinking in a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. So I I and I I hope they can. I I feel like they cast the character well, and uh, and I'm looking forward to continuing to see uh, Sam's growth, uh, especially just given what we, you know, at least those of us who have read the books know his next arc is. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see that as well. Mm. That and will be very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tim mm-hmm. Dodge time chimes in when I said two coming of ages. The other one I was alluding to is Sansa learning how to play the game as Tim puts it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or man. Maleficent. <laughs> you know, cause they definitely played a bunch of that stuff different than yeah. in the books, because in the books they keep it secret that they, they don't let anybody know that it's mm-hmm. Sansa. Everyone, um, the, the whole ploy that it's, uh, that she's Littlefinger's niece. I mean, they keep that up with everybody mm-hmm. uh, in the books. And so um, in the books, I think it's literally only Littlefinger himself and Lisa that know. Like, not even, you know, Robin knows. Yep. You know, uh, Robin slash Robert in the, uh, in the books. But, um, but, yeah, so changing that dynamic I thought was fun just first of all. But then also just that, yeah, you know, like even though half of it's costume, just that outfit and her whole attitude coming down at the end just makes me so much more excited for that whole storyline. Yeah. Um, Agreed. You know, I, I, I can't wait to see how this difference affects what comes next for them. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, I feel like um, many readers are – so many readers are quick to be hard on Sansa. Uh, mm-hmm. She's not a favorite character for many people. And for me, reading Sansa, the first time you read through, you're like, oh, my God, you're so stupid. Stop telling everyone everything. You know, you, why do you have to tell everyone everything? Things don't work out like the fairy tales. But your second read through, you kind of understand her a little bit more. But also her development is is nice and everything, but it doesn't have the same kind of impact as coming down the stairs, looking like Maleficent and ready to take over. (laughs) And I think that that is probably getting her a lot more support from viewers than Sansa had as readers. And, and on the one hand, it's, I could argue the whole point of saying like, you know, every strong female doesn't have to be this badass super bitch, but because that was one of the great things about Sansa mm-hmm. is, yeah, Sansa had flaws. And, yeah, she was, you know, in her daydreams and everything. But that was still a strong female character mm-hmm. because she was a full character. But yeah. I still love it. It's just well, awesome. <laughs> I, th- I think this show is certainly, you know, it's um, it's got a lot of characters uh, that are strong female characters without necessarily having to have all of them be badass in the way that we've talked right. about. Like, for example, Brienne is a badass fighter but she's very awkward and and vulnerable in other respects in a way that's different even than the sort of one of the guys type role right um and then of course think think about marjorie you know she's definitely not badass except that kind of in her way she knows what how to get what she wants and she's just not using a sword to get it yeah Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Sheriff Bullock uh, was able to get into the Q&A, and we just have to make sure that we use 
Sheriff Bullock, not his real name. Uh, <laughs> Sheriff Bullock's not his real name? Yes, yes. And um, he wanted to say that the Jamie Cersei rape was the worst decision the showrunners have made. Agreed. Yeah. According to that. By a wide margin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but can we agree that the casting of Daria Naharis was number two? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, so, okay, wait, which Dario are you complaining about? Is well, it I mean, if it's, you know, if you take, we've already talked about the aesthetic, how he looks different in the book. It's mm-hmm. just very vibrantly different in the book. Yeah. But, I mean, even if you go away from that, the fact that they also went from a vanilla-looking handsome actor to a different vanilla-looking handsome actor after I had just gotten used to the fact that this is how this guy's going to look. And he's a fine actor. Both of them are fine actors. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer the second Dario Naharis, but I just think that they, I, I mean, do you think it's like people actually would say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't fit the next Game of Thrones seasons into my schedule, so I'm going to have to back out now? Or do you think that they're actually just saying, Eh, let's get a different mountain, it, you know. Mountain no, syndrome, that's what yeah. happened, actually. Uh, the first Dario got a pilot or something. Hmm. So he couldn't come back. Dude, was, I don't know. That's, that's I what I had when I recast him. Yeah. yeah. I, hope uh, I, I was amused at seeing the same actor play the new Dario and be, uh, I think his name is Cal in Orphan Black season yeah, two. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. having those both be on at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Oh, no, oh, see, this is so funny. I've been having... I only just started watching Orphan Black. This is so oh. funny. Well, so are, are you in season two? I am in season two, and I okay. just got to Cal. So. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, this, I think it was breaking. <laughs> yeah, I think it was episode 10 that Christiana broke our brains with it. <laughs> yeah, well, and it was just weird because they were actually on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, not literally the same time slot, but like they I were airing not. in the same weeks. And so it, I, going back and forth kind of was weird. Um, <laughs> Sheriff Bullock just did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Can we agree? No, we cannot agree because New Dario is Cal from Orphan Black. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I, I definitely will also say that it, you know, the whole back and forth with Dario is, I, I don't know, it's hard for me to care too much about because I don't especially like the character in the books. And so it's still weird, though, when they bring in the character from the book and they cast him as looking very different from how he's described in the book and acting different than how he's described mm-hmm. in the book. And then they replace him with a guy who's, looks different and acts different in a third way. Like, yeah. so like not more <laughs> like the book, fair. but just different in a whole different way. So it's yeah. like he, they don't try to have the match more like the book. They don't try to match the guy that they had previously. They just go in a completely new direction. Yeah. yeah. And at the same time, all through all of these things, I'm just wanting, I'm, I'm rolling my eyes at, at Daenerys and saying, come on, really? Well, I do the same thing in the book. Like I can't, yeah, I actually see more attraction to the actors who play Dario Mm. because they don't swagger near as much as the Dario in the book. does. I don't, I don't (laughs) get, you know, her attraction to him in the book, but I still like, I could totally see Cal Dario playing the Dario from the book. Like, 
I'm sorry, but HBO people, we're fine with seeing somebody with a forked beard that's two different colors and boobies on his sword hilt and, you know, craziness. Like, that honestly seems like a missed opportunity with boobies on the sword hilt. Oh, yes. I mean, like, really, he should be, like... He should be like fingering the boobies all the time because that's what he ever does in the book. He does. Every time there's a Dario scene, his fingers going over the nipples of his sword hilt. It's yeah. He's welcome back, Christiana. She's hashtag fingering the boobies at this point. No, no, I I heard you guys. I muted myself because Luna's going off like an oversensitive car alarm. Um, yeah, but Dario is so cheesy in the book. I just like, oh, I can't stand him in the book. And it like, it dry. I, I feel like I just have to take Daenerys's POV's word for it that he's cute because mm-hmm. he doesn't act appealing in any way to me. And I'm always just in the book constantly feeling like he is so obviously not like, like a deliberate trap, like anyone sent him there on purpose for this. But it's just so obviously something that Daenerys should stay far away from if to, if she wants to accomplish anything else in life, because otherwise he's just going to screw up everything that she lets him touch. Mm-hmm. He's he's the bad boy that messes up young girls' lives. Yeah, and she is you know, a young girl, and 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 seeing. Young women in my life, when I see that, you know, they're like, oh, this is my new boyfriend. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, it's Hi. like the whole thing of like, he, thing. <laughs> yeah, like he brings her the heads of his two mercenary uh, captains. And she's like, so if you betrayed them, why should I trust that you won't betray me? And he's like, well, you see, I'm very attractive. <laughs> oh, okay, then. Yeah. All right. I'm on board for that. That's legit. It checks out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the way that you just said that, by the way, um, now in my head when I read the books, Dario's going to sound like Francis to me. Well, I'm very attractive. <laughs> you could even probably say dude. I can imagine Dario saying dude. <laughs> well, you told him um, right up front. You know, I'm the most honest person you'll ever meet. I only ever do what I want. Yeah. And I do it for as long as I feel like it, and then I want something else, and I'll go do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if if I may, another scene, another high point for me, and mm-hmm. this was at the beginning of the series, is the Hounds KFC moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I loved all the scenes between the Hound and Arya this season, but to start off with something so cool like yeah. i could now that's a scene i could throw on and watch before going out to party because that scene makes me laugh and makes me excited every time i watch it i'm like that is so freaking cool and that's so sandor describe yeah. this scene a little bit more please uh, uh yeah. they're in the inn and a bunch of lannister men come in and they start talking to him and he's just sitting there eating his chicken and he's like i'm gonna eat your chicken and he's like what <laughs> I'm gonna eat your chicken. No, you're not, because you're you're a wanted man. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill that guy. And if you keep talking, I'm gonna have to eat every ki- chicken in this goddamn place. And he ends up <laughs> killing everybody and their chicken. Yes. <laughs> and it's just oh, I love it. I thought that was what you meant, but I wasn't sure. Nobody was helping me out by saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> the um, you know, the hound and Arya 
is another great arc in this season. Um, and I love the dynamic, which is such, I, I feel like I cannot think of a single other character relationship in all of TV, honestly, that has quite this dynamic where they have that whole lone wolf and cub mentor apprentice um, father daughter like vibe, except that they also hate each other a little bit. Yeah. Like not a little bit. They really hate each other. <laughs> yeah. And, and just this whole dynamic of like the whole bit when, Arya tries to get all fancy with the lies to let get the farmer to feed them. Mm-hmm. And then the hound just decides to steal all their money. And she yeah. just realizes with horror that she basically made that happen. Yeah. And, and realizing that like, I need to remember that like he is the hound, not my pet dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's um, on my list. He's not a Stark Just because man. I can sometimes manipulate him into doing what I want does not mean that that will always work. And I have to remember that once once I sick him on somebody, I can't decide when to call him off. He's going to yeah. do it himself. And so having that whole all play out, but then also him being increasingly impressed and have res- having respect for her but then also hearing her still list his name in her whole little litany. Yeah. She hasn't forgotten. And then, and then at the end when he wants her to kill him and she's like, no, I'm going to let you suffer. And she just watches him suffer. Love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was gold. That was gold. (laughs) Kevin checks in. The Ed screen gave up Dario for the lead in the fourth transporter film. Ooh, All right. Good career. man. It can be Jason Statham's little brother. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, um, I don't think any of those kinds of franchises have lived on when the lead left. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, the, the comparison that comes immediately to mind is Jeremy Renner doing the fourth born movie. Where mm-hmm. at least in that one, they, they I, I don't know about the new Transporter, but at least in that one, they're not trying to pretend that he is the same. He is not playing Jason Bourne. Right. But even still, like, even Jeremy Renner, who by the time he's in that movie, like, people knew who this guy was. You know, he was yeah. in Hurt Locker. Yeah. He was in, um, what's that other one he was in with the with Ben Affleck, I think. Um, I don't remember. The Town oh, or something. Um, um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah it's... He, it, I th- wasn't it the town? I think it was the town, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, people knew who he was. But at the same time, at least my own perception of that was it just like, even though he's a guy that I feel like could carry a movie just fine, by trying to continue the Bourne movies without Matt Damon, it makes him feel like he's a step down from Matt Damon when that wouldn't necessarily be true if they weren't trying to draw the connection in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if they just gave it a different name. Yeah. Of course, I mean, you know, set you it know, in the same universe, but give it a different name. Yeah. Except that, you know, it's Hollywood. So the whole point is people say born. I like them born movies. Let's go buy a ticket. Martha got us franchise. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, high points? Uh, well, I the end of the se- series, of course, you know, with uh, 
the whole trial to me yeah. was a high point. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, Tyrion confessing in his most eloquent ways of confessing are always fun. And then the whole, you know, Tyrion and Tywin on the throne. Mm-hmm. For me, like a big high point of all that was Tyrion and Jamie and yes, mm-hmm. really. You know, they had, well, they had the one moment where they had a really nice hug and, you know, really connecting and stuff. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, just obviously their final confrontation. I thought they did a really good job of tweaking the conversation from the way it happens in the books, which is a little different just because they had laid the groundwork for some of their relationship a little bit differently in the show. And so they wouldn't want to have it verbatim. Um but uh, especially, I think, in particular, it was Shay being a different type of character in the show compared to the books. Um, and, you know, so just having that confrontation, which was so kind of an iconic moment from the books and having that play out, you know, it's, you've got these two extremely powerful actors, you know, at the top of their game, I think, you know, and, and, and I thought that was really great. Um, but if, if no one else wants to chime in on that particular scene, um, the other thing I want to mention is, uh, the stuff up at the wall, not necessarily just the final, that whole big battle sequence, which was great. Although I think it was a misstep to have it separated, like the one battle and then the end of the episode and then the next episode kind of does the next day. And then what happens that breaking it up like that felt weird to me. Mm-hmm. but the battle itself I thought was super exciting. And even though I had quibbles with some of the small details about it, um, John and Igret, mm-hmm. I, you know, all of that just really worked for me. And it was one of my, fa- it's one of my favorite storylines. And I thought it all played out really well. The only thing I kind of didn't like is I almost wish that it had, we, you know, that we maybe didn't even need to see who shot her. I yeah. mean, that's how it happens in the books is that we're never really sure yeah. whose arrow it was. Yeah. And it doesn't really even matter. And so I kind of wished that they hadn't tried to make it a thing with yeah. that kid. Um, but, you know, I, that's fine. I'm not as worried about that. But all the rest of it I thought was really great. Well, and that whole episode had a lot to do with uh, Sam's development as well. Mm-hmm. Everything with Sam and, and Gilly was was fantastic. And then, oh, what's his face who hid with Gilly? What's his name? Oh, um, yeah. oh, um, it wasn't. Was that Thorn? No, not was it Thorn? Thorn? No, Thorn. Thorn was the one that kind yeah. of. Grinch? Oh, um, Jenna Slint. Jenna Slint. That's who it was. I'm like, yeah, because yeah. Thorn stepped up, and that was actually really cool. Yeah, like, I liked cheering for Thorn because mm-hmm. yeah. he didn't like John, but when it came down to it, he was still a good guy, and that shows that yeah. you don't have to like our heroes to be a good guy. Well, um, he even said it. it was like, yeah, you're a really bad dude. Tyrion was right for sending you there. <laughs> Sorry, Viv, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that, you know, it was, I think, probably the first episode seasons ago with John at the wall for the first time in his first training session. And, or it was the first training session with Sam. So, probably, God, what would that probably would have been in the end of season one or something like that? And, oh, and they're trying even, to. Like, I think even two or three in season one. 
Mm. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So they're uh, they're trying to do what John asked, which is take it easy on Sam. He's the new recruit, and he's obviously out of shape, a lousy fighter, and he's self-confessed craven. You know, he has no courage, and that's shameful in their eyes. And so they're trying to not attack him for John, kind of liking him as the underdog. And then Thorne reminds them, that's all well and good, but is that the kind of person you want standing next to you when the mm-hmm. White Walkers come knocking at your door? So it was kind of it was it was really hard to like him if you had empathy or sympathy for Sam because mm-hmm. it seemed so cruel, but it was such a valid point and it was it's it was certainly true um when they the when Castle Black was attacked. Mhm. You know, just the right person at the right time would save a favorite character's life, you know. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um one thing though uh I wish they had done maybe a little bit different with Sam is I miss that in the books, a lot of his brothers saw him play the White Walker. And so when they call him Sam the Slayer, it's not not sarcastic because they, they believe him. People saw it happen. So whereas, you know, when it's just him and Gilly, him and Gilly, they don't take his word for it and they don't believe him. And like I kind of miss that in the books they, they do believe him because a bunch of people saw it happen. Yeah, he he got um, some accolade for some of the amazing things that he's done and never been given credit for any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's a that's a minor nitpick. Um, but yeah, you know, and and just the whole the whole action uh, sequence, like you know, some of those big three sixty shots where it's going all around the castle and it's establishing the whole layout of where everybody is and you got all these different fronts, you know, you got, um, got poor Gren, you know, going to fight the giant under the gate. You got the guys up on top of the wall. Um, you got the people fending off, um, Oh, uh, torment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, just all, all of these different things happening at once that I thought was, uh, was, was really great. Um, it was well well filmed. I can't wait to see an IMAX. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so here's something we haven't talked about um, much at all so far is other than discussing Dario briefly, what about uh, Danny's storyline this season? Chooch, you're the noob. What do you think? <laughs> well, I didn't have it as a highlight for me. Um I don't know. I think lots of cities, lots of slaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> you percolate well, on that, baby. I think I think it felt like it was um faster paced than the books. Mm. Uh but I'm not sure how I would feel if I didn't have that to compare to because honestly, as she's going through Essos in the books, I feel like it it takes forever, which it should, because Essos yeah, is huge. It's but huge. at the same time, you're just like, oh my gosh, enough already. Um, they're definitely accelerating it some. I mean, the whole the whole bit with uh, discovering that her her dragons have uh, you know have yeah. killed a, a child. That whole bit. I mean, that ha- that's book five. Exactly. That, that happens in. Um, so yeah, they've they've got her storyline up to you know midway into book five. Yeah. I don't um, know what they're going to do for her next, you know? 
Yeah. Well, it's like I told Chooch when we were watching the trailer for the trailer. Is I don't know what happens to Tyrion next because I haven't read book five yet. And mm-hmm. holy crap, he's in the trailer! Yay, he's going to be in the season. But yeah. you know, it's it's one of those wonderful things that we'll just have to suffer through is more Peter Dinklage than we <laughs> have. <laughs> oh, what a trial! <sighs> Darn it! No, I guess overall, um, as I kind of think about it, her arc at least i really like in that she's done so much you know everybody needs to follow me just because i am the queen i'm the queen. so it was a lot of hands on the hips and just because it's the way it needs to be you know and now she really has is really building something Um, yeah and by her decisions of of bringing the slaves and going that route and uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, overall, I guess I really do like that. And I forgot about the dragon killing the child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a concern. Yeah, yeah. it has huge implications on on how much control do you really have. And Yeah. Well, you know, some... chaining up two of them, but you don't have the third one because it won't come back. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of similar to the Stark kids having to learn how to train their direwolves because they weren't naturally domesticated animals that they were having Mm -hmm. run around the keep and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, and I, I also, you know, they haven't gone heavy into it here so far, but I like what they've just started with in the show, which is the dragons being uncontrollable as a little bit of an expression that maybe Danny's not actually doing what she's really supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like right. she was granted the dragons because she was accepting her true destiny, but somehow she's lost her way. And as a result, she is losing control of the dragons. Mm-hmm. because They only belong to her if she's doing what's right with them. Of course, yeah. you know, by that logic, you might ask, well, who, who's deciding that, right? Yeah. You know, is, is it the seven? <laughs> uh, is it the Lord of Light? Mm-hmm. Uh, fire, fire. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, that's something that uh, we also got a little bit of a weird hint to. It was out of nowhere, even for us book readers, which is apparently King White Walker. Um, yeah. Yeah. Turning the baby into baby White Walker. You know, yeah. that, that was a, a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was in my highlights for sure. The the White Walker Stonehenge. <laughs> but actually having some movement in that end of mystery, really, that we <laughs> don't know anything about was really cool. Yeah. Oh, um, another highlight for me, even just like, I feel like, it it was a bit of a jarring tone just because of how bananas it was, but the whole weird skeleton fight as Bran and Mira and Jojen are trying to make their way to the, that the, the tree, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just uh, the, the skeletons coming out of the snow. It was just one of those things. You're just like, what? what, what, yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. And I liked it. <laughs> and how messed up and stabbing Jojen. And it's just like, ah! yeah. Yeah, that's that exactly was what up. I was doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So like that. That was that was wacky too. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's an example too of, um, uh, you know, when we're talking about, you know, little details that they might change even up to including fate of certain characters is that 
at least up to that point in the story in the books, Gojin is sickly and not doing great, but he is not stabbed to death by skeletons. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's just an example of an actual character, a significant character um, being killed earlier. But, but it's kind of you're led to think that he's well, really yeah, he, he's not doing very well. <laughs> he, 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 in the end, is essentially gone. But yeah, yeah. Well, I just mean it's you know it's it's a bit more like in you know earlier in this season where he's clearly very ill yep. and Same he's time. starting to you can you can see that he's like he's only half present when you talk yeah. to him. Because, you know, and so like it's that was happening certainly in the books. But like I said, um, he is not in the books stabbed to death by skeletons. Yeah. I actually liked his death better, like because I cared for the character. I was like, at least you had a better death. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. like story wise, I'm not sure if it was better. I just it was different. I mean, yeah, I, I, what it's just, it suggests is that even perhaps if not completely gone in the books, he's not yeah. going to contribute a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, oh, I should also, we, we should not leave out that not, he was stabbed to death and then blown up by magic missile. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way to go. Yeah, <laughs> I actually just found in my notes um, there were three of us um, from episode zero of this season when we did our pre-show episode, what everyone was hoping to see in this season. And of course, everybody really only cared about what Chooch wanted to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he said that at the beginning of the season, he said that he uh, still wants Joffrey to die. <laughs> Check. <laughs> And then asks, would Tywin do anything to keep Jamie and Cersei apart? Um, and then uh, just Braun in general, you're interested in his storyline. And then Danny's travels to free slaves, or would she continue raising an army for Westeros? And, of course, what of the Blackfish? Yes, what that of was, the Blackfish? Of the, has, that answer, has that been answered? Not that we learned season? anything in this entire season about the Blackfish? No. Because the last time we saw him, is that really still at the Red Wedding when he stepped out? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so the last time we saw him was Red Wedding, which was before the Purple Wedding. Okay, so yeah, we've yeah. it's been the whole they season. They went to take a piss and... And never came back. It's like my and, dad. And, oh, and oh no, just kidding. <laughs> just don't even. Okay, moving on. Um, oh, oh, even. Are you guys hearing me? Hello? No, we were. Now we are. Apparently not, because that's annoying. What I was trying to say is, in the show, did he even go to the Red Wedding? I I was recalling that. No, he went to the Red Wedding. Maybe I'm reversing what happened, because I was thinking he he didn't even go. He was there, and he was at the ceremony, and he was there in the refreshment hall doing the toasts. And then just before they swept the bride out to take upstairs with the groom to do that whole thing, he went out to take a piss. And then they closed the doors, and then bam, the red hit the wedding. Okay, I, uh, okay, I'm just reversing, I guess, what happens in no, the books wait. versus what happens in Hang the. Hang on, um, I, I, I just looked this up, so I'm, I'm comparing two wikis here. Okay. Second, I will, I will get a final ruling. Uh, Tim Dodge, magic missile, one of my favorite spells. Yeah. 
Episode zero, you just had the question, what of the blackfish, which I assumed meant that we still hadn't seen him since the Red Wedding. Well, we certainly haven't seen him since. I was just trying to remember. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, he was definitely there. It's during the wedding feast. He goes outside to relieve himself on. Okay, yeah. So you guys were remembering right. I just, I don't know why I was thinking he didn't go, but um, I never doubted that I had right. We talked about it a couple times. Didn't go. That's why we're confused. See, that's what it was. Is I was just reversing which was which. Is all. Because in Um, the book, he stays with Rob's wife. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's why I was. Yeah. Cat, that's why. That would be really rude to bring your wife to this wedding. Uh huh. You know, and shove her in the face. Like, what? Well, well, he might get so mad he'll stab her in her pregnant belly. I know. No way. No how. One of the other things is that uh, um, we, you know, we ta- we haven't really talked about Joffrey's death. That happened this season. Yeah. Too. Yeah, Back that was one of my highlights. Two. I was saving for last if nobody brought it up, but it was it came in early and and finally, mm-hmm, finally, mm-hmm. painfully, ding dong, the Joffrey's yeah. dead. Yeah. <laughs> I liked how well, even before the critical moment, they really built that he was not only awful but getting worse and. Everybody knew it. Yeah, even like, Tywin you could, had to admit it. Oh yeah, like during that whole wedding, you know, I, it just gets worse and worse. And and I l- liked them showing us all these reaction shots of people going, "This is not good. This guy is like we knew he was bad, but boy, this is yeah. this is dangerous bad. This is." Yeah. This is not, hey, we can manage this. This is like, we're going to have to do something. And then um, someone did. <laughs> uh, I liked one uh, one article I remember um, suggesting that they, they thought um, they would have laughed if, uh, as, as he... Uh, as he breathed his last, if Olena just stood up and was like, come on, we were all thinking it. <laughs> yeah. Or golf clap. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Or no, slow clap. <laughs> slow clap. <laughs> yeah, but boy, you know, in terms of uh, just going out on, I don't know, a big note, <laughs> just uh, as far as, uh, you know, uh, what a performance, you know, just in, ter- in terms of taking what is an extremely memorable character from the page and then portraying him expertly, you know, Jack Gleason just, he, he should have won an award. <laughs> you know, I mean, the the there's so many times that there are actors that portray people that we hate, and it's their skill in acting that makes it work. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you hear all the time about how the actor who played Biff Tannen and the actor who played the older brother in Wonder Years get treated really badly by people in real life because they're like, "I hate you," and it, it's like, but that that was my character he did a good yeah. job playing the character and because they're so good at it people end up transferring that feeling to them and i've seen so many people say you know about jack lace and they're like oh man if i saw that kid on the street i'd punch him I'm like no he did a good job and he's actually a really neat guy <laughs> <laughs> and he's into just... the fandom and everything just he's awesome and so he should get an award for making us hate him yeah like uh, Anna Gunn, who plays the wife in Breaking Bad, 
and a lot of people hated that character, and I never quite understood that. I thought she was an oh, awesome well, character, but everybody's she's just such a bitch, and she had done like an op-ed in the New York Times that shows, you know, I constantly get death threats and rape threats because they hate me, <laughs> because yeah. they hate the character. Yeah, you know, I loved that show, but... Some of the other people who loved the show loved it for what I believe are entirely the wrong reasons. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Those are the people. Now, I don't want to talk universally because there's there's a whole spectrum of people who liked the show and liked different things about it. But I think, and I feel very strongly about this, that there is a whole subset of the fandom for that show that wanted Walt to get away with everything and felt that she was just holding him back. That is a whole nother podcast, Miss Ellis. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I don't know, but True. can That's I say a whole that other world. the same thing happened in Dexter with uh, mm. <laughs> I mean, Darla? Really no, what was Rita? The bad that's guys. Really, yeah. <laughs> Julie Benz's character, Rita, people hated her and felt that she was holding Dexter back. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, she's really in the right here. Um, <laughs> he's a serial killer and he's doing yeah. wrong things. And even though she doesn't know he's a serial killer... He's doing wrong things in their relationship, you know. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a, a red carpet interview that I saw with uh, Lena Headey, where the the interviewer is asking her, like, "So, what's it like to play such a bitch?" And she's like, "What? No." And he's like, "Yeah, Cersei. She's just really evil, <laughs> horrible, and she's such a bitch." And she's like, "No, no, <laughs> she's great." Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to applaud her, you know, because she she when she talks about the character, she talks about her as, you know, people hate her, but she's doing everything she does because she thinks she's in the right. And so she's got the character's head. She's doing right. what she knows to do. Yeah. yeah. And she's doing, you know, objectively. Sure. You can say Thursday's making wrong choices, but she's doing what she can to protect her family protect her position, uh, stop herself from being sold off and all of this other stuff. So, you know, when you look at the characters from their perspectives, it's like, yeah, no, no, Cersei, no, not really a bitch. She's just doing her best. Um, Joffrey? Sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, again, played really well. (laughs) See, now, while I won't uh, complain that uh, Lena Headey does not have the right to feel that way, I also <laughs> feel that it's a little bit of a a, a play. Cersei's kind of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, but, like, no, I like in a good there's way. complexity there, <laughs> yeah. and you can say, yeah, yeah, so, but I just mean it's kind of like Cersei is a bitch, and Lena Headey knows that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there's, <laughs> so there's I, one thing it's kind where of she's on the defend it though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where she's on the there's this one episode of is it Jimmy something or other the one of the late night talk shows and all she doing all she's doing is drinking wine and staring oh, the yeah, person yeah, yeah. down. That was um, <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy that Kimmel. Was the Jimmy Kimmel show. And, and and she's just like staring him down, and he's he's saying that she has mastered the art of. Drinking wine and insulting people. <laughs> and she does it all in Cersei character. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Only had her rip her some paper. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Chooch, did you have anything else before I talk about the contest? 
Um, well, um, one last highlight for me was um, Ari and Brienne meeting. Oh, yeah. Ari and Brienne. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that the whole way that final confrontation that played so out sweet. was invented. Um, because, of <sighs> course, it's weird, first of all, that the Hound fights Rorge and Biter instead of Brienne. Yeah. Um, and then the Hound and Brienne fight. And, like, it all works in a really effective way that kind of ends with everybody in the same spot that they would have been. But how they got there was very different, and it allowed us for some intersections that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. It was great. They, all, they, they did a really great job executing all of that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Arya and... Well, and then, of course, Brienne and Olena. I think that happened earlier in the season, too. What about uh, Hot Pie? Hot Pie. <laughs> yes. He's improved his wolf bread. He did. Yes, it's gotten so much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, and then even just uh, Pod and Brienne. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, they, they were. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see what they do with them. That dynamic duo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So ready for contest, people? Mm-hmm. So basically, um, I have no idea how PG was tracking all of these. We couldn't find a spreadsheet or anything like that with the winners. Nothing easy about it. So I went through and did the best that I could, uh, listening to the beginnings and listening to the ends of episodes for news on the contest stuff. And basically, it seems like it was a really bad season for getting the survey questions posted in time. (laughs) And we basically have ended up with like a four-way tie for first place amongst listeners, which we can't afford to honor those prizes, so sorry. (laughs) But as far as the cast member uh, that won, uh, that had the most, it was PG. Yay! Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He beat us (laughs) a lot. Uh, he beat Chooch by like two. He oh. beat, and then it was Nutty, and then it was Christiana, and then it was me. But Christiana, there were a couple that you didn't get yours in. Yeah, and I think that's what skewed your your chances. <sighs> and uh, could have been a contender. <laughs> could have been somebody. Um, and we are in the process. You know, um, with the changes and everything like that, we're we're getting together and figuring out what season five is going to be like, and discussing if we do a contest, if we do a different kind of thing that's not so counting heavy and such a burden because it really is. It's just such a pain in the ass. Um, so we may change our contest. Um, and oh, there were a couple of other things that I wanted to announce before. We um, got too late. Too late. (laughs) Before you Um, announce that, uh, can we invite our listeners and viewers? If you guys have ideas for contests and stuff, you know, send them our way and, you know, we'll think on them. BTWSpecficMedia.com. And then the other things I wanted to touch on was that um, the, the anthology that was put together by T. Morris and Val Griswold Ford, um, to sell in tribute of PG Holyfield, who was our 
are fearful, fearless, fearful, fear-inducing, <laughs> grump, grumpy, um, grumpy. So yeah, grumpy. The, the anthology, yeah, <laughs> the anthology Tales of a Tesla Ranger is now for sale at Amazon for the Kindle. The print book is not available yet, and the proceeds will go to the trust that was created for his daughter and his estate. If you want to just make a donation, you can go to GoFundMe.com slash PGFUND, PG Fund. Um, you can always find um, PG's audiobooks, which I highly recommend, is hearing him read his own novel to you from patiobooks.com, um, his novel Murder at Abaddon Hill, which he did two of the main character voices for, for a reason I still don't understand. <laughs> um, but you can hear it in his own. He's, he did really wonderful, masterful audio production. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the money and you don't can't make a donation, you can't afford a book right now, go listen to it mm-hmm. and and enjoy it anyways and then just share it with somebody. And that's all we really want to do is spread his word anyways. I also want to announce that the Cancer Anthology that Chooch and I have been trying to finish, um, we started it in 2011, but as my health problems have gotten worse and worse, that's delayed it. We've now got our final deadline for submissions. I've got an editor and we are uh, hoping to publish for May, and the deadline for submissions is March 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just basically any way that you want to express how cancer's affected you, whether it's a written work or a piece of artwork. I've got, you know, some beautiful drawings, and I've even got sculptures and watercolor and just different pieces of artwork, photographs, um, just a lot of different things that we're going to use and uh, create a cancer anthology that will benefit cancer charities um and not specific to pg but to like the greater cancer world it's not limited to pg's cancer or breast cancer from my family or i can't even pronounce the one that that chuch's brother had but um you know the cancer charities will benefit and also that um at balticon we are hoping to have a beyond the wall live show they're doing some renovations at the hotel and it's kind of uh, made things interesting for the schedulers so we're hoping for a beyond the wall live show that would be sunday and we're also hoping hoping to host a new media party where we'll also um, celebrate the life of pg holyfield and some others that we've lost since last balticon Cross your fingers that we can get those for Sunday because that's the earliest that Chooch and I can get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and if you're if you're coming to Balticon, um, you know, uh, I believe Christiana, you're you're going to be there this year. Yes, I'll be there. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, you I don't want to just assume uh, Christiana and I will be there uh, most of the weekend. On Friday, there is going to be a barbecue down the road at the other hotel. Um, there will be a little photo of PG there. Um, and, uh, so if you're not able to come Sunday, but you're there on another day, yeah, you can, you can come say hi, whatever you want to do. We're, we're available. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, um, I know Saturday there's something going on for CJ Henderson who also passed away and I don't know of anything for that's PG specific that's going on on Saturday. Chooch and I are actually, um, going to be out of town. Um, our son that turned 18 today—he's a man. He's an adult. Um, he graduates Balticon Friday, so we're going to be out of state cheering him on as he crosses the, the um, stage. Mm-hmm. And so the earliest we'll get to Balticon will be Saturday afternoon or evening or something like that. So 
Um, early you know, we'll just have to keep my girls busy while we're gone. <laughs> there. <laughs> that's that's um, an early graduation for high school, isn't it? It's you know I'm I haven't bought plane tickets yet because they had like an extra week and a half last year because of snow days. Mm. So I don't I, I'm I'm not ready to buy airline tickets yet. I'm thinking that they may delay it, but that's oh, okay. exactly what I thought too, considering that the school year doesn't end until the beginning of June. Yeah, I'm like, am, am I just a northern girl or what? Like, because I know when I was working in Florida, uh, they they finished like almost a month early. Yeah, uh, yeah. I used, to, I used to go work in Florida, and I'd I'd finish everything up at, there. I'd go to Balticon, and then I'd do a whole other month in New York. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's like that for him too. He starts earlier and finishes earlier, but it it we didn't even realize that it was head to head until he was home for Christmas, and I was like. Well, we're going to the graduation. Yeah, I'm sorry. Absolutely. That's just not absolutely. Um, so uh, the earliest we would get there would be Saturday. Apparently, we have to have uh, another moment of silence. We have lost another beloved member. Uh, the gazebo at the Hunt Valley Inn is gone. I'm I, not even ready to talk about that yet. <laughs> no more Thunderdome. <laughs> no more Thunderdome. You don't understand. Nutty, you, you get a Sunday nights. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You and me and Tony and Hugh for at least the last two years, for some reason, end up, ended up in the Thunderdome taking selfies. Yep, yep. Just for God knows what reason, which for her fancy. Well, I'll tell but, you what you happened know. to the gazebo, though. It's it's that <sighs> role-playing group went after it, and they killed it. They suck. There's an arrow Point them out, of it out to me, Nutty. <laughs> I mean, we, we dubbed that the Thunderdome, like, in... <laughs> Jesus, Chooch, when was that? Like 2010 at MERS, one of MERS Heaven Brushes? Yeah. Lord have mercy. Yeah, it's going right. to be weird this year seeing how they <laughs> renovate everything. So, Any other announcements? Bless you. Bless, Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask if anybody, um, that the outlook for season five, we're going to do obviously a season five uh, pre show yeah. before it airs. Yeah. Closer to the date, but if there's any overall. Um, well, my my streams. biggest thing I'm looking forward to is the sand snakes. Sand <laughs> you know the the red viper do? may be gone, but yeah. he has a no Beetlejuice, honey. <laughs> oh yes, Beetlejuice <laughs> and Oberon's brother, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to, but we'll we'll probably I'm thinking that Christiana had some conversations she wanted to have about a uh, game and and we've got mm-hmm. some Game of Thrones stuff mm-hmm. game wise to talk about too. So maybe we'll even find some time before the um preseason episode to talk about just the media, the like you guys can talk more about the books, although I think you guys did a really great job pimping it. I know I'm dying now. Y'all best be bringing it to Balticon so I can see it. <laughs> we can do, you know, um, reviews of uh, different things in the world that we love so much if, mm-hmm. if you guys are interested. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the game that uh, I meant, uh, I was talking about is the Telltale's uh, Game of Thrones video game. Um, which, yeah. as you as you said, we can talk more about another time. But that's that's the game that I was certainly talking yeah, about. Yeah. So you guys that are, you go check out that game. So when we do that episode, you can listen. Well, and there's only one episode out now, and so it may be that un, uh, more will be out by the time we talk more about it. Um, so where do you play this game? 
Oh, it's available on uh, all sorts of different uh, consoles and PC, I think. It's just like uh, Telltale's Walking Dead or A Wolf Among Us. It's the same oh, basic okay. concept, only it's Game of Thrones. Huh. I haven't played those, so. Yeah, the story in this one is you, you play House Forester, which is a minor house dedicated to the uh, Starks, and it uh, uh, takes place as uh, Lord Forester as uh, travel to the twins for a wedding. Oh, Oh my. But uh, you, but you actually follow uh, and play as several of different characters mm-hmm. from House Forester, and it's actually uh, you know I'm kind of getting into it now in the way I, I was just saying that I wouldn't, but just the short version <laughs> Don't is. Don't make me regret bringing it up, girl. <laughs> the short version is it's it's entirely a different thing to watch characters in a hard decision, you know, in a place where they have to make hard decisions, and to be then. Now you are the one making the decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's say Ramsey Snow has just threatened you. Do you stand up to him? I run away <laughs> crying. Distract as fast him. as I can. <laughs> I run faster than the damn dog. <laughs> I get a cup. So anyway, that's all I'll say about it now, but uh, we can maybe talk about that more at some point. Absolutely. Yeah, Tim Dodds just asked, will you be discussing the board game as well? And we have a board game. We have, we have at two least two. <laughs> we have at least two you board have, games. The one and we have the played. RPG. We have what? You guys had the board game that I've played. We just never played it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've yeah. got the board game, which we tried playing with Christiana to fail. <laughs> And then we have um, the card game to play, and then we've also got the RPG yes. to play. That we, I'm hoping that we can find somebody that's already played around in that world that wants to be the game master for us, because <laughs> that's what PG was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of the deal. It was like, cool, you're going to do all the work, right? <laughs> it's a fun system. I was doing it um, online with a group of mine. And again, I'll get more into that if we do a gaming episode, but yeah, uh, yeah. it was one of those things that I was really starting to get into and then other people just stopped making their moves and I'm like, wait, but can we finish the campaign? <laughs> but can yeah. we finish the campaign? And then I realized <laughs> after group gaming with this group for a while that there were certain members that would ultimately always do that. So I have several campaigns that never actually finished. Yeah. Really interesting settings. Um, so the short answer is yes, we will be talking about all the yes. various incarnations of games. <laughs> any and of the yeah, games if you we've know played. any app games that you guys yeah. can bring to the table, let us know about that too. All right. Cool. I think I think we're under two hours, I think. Just that a record? <laughs> Real quick, just to, so you guys know where to, you, we've got a Facebook page for specficmedia.com that you can like, and then you'll see the updates of when we're going to be streaming because um, there are other shows beyond beyond the wall <laughs> um, that we do produce and put out, and and Christiana's on one, and we've got some special episodes, some more top ten stuff. I think that I meant to talk to you about Chooch. That was something that was started. You guys. Christiana and PG and some other folks talked video games. And so um, uh, just thinking about doing a comic book episode and just doing some different um, kind of things like that, more of those top 10 kind of episodes and having guests on and 
do fun stuff. So you can like the Facebook page, and that's probably the easiest thing for anybody to do anymore. <laughs> or sign up for the Facebook uh, page at BTW Podcast on Twitter. And they can follow the Specfic Media page on Google Plus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much how you get us. <laughs> We're everywhere. Cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us and interacting. That's some of the best stuff, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry for the long okay. delay. <laughs> you understand why. Yeah. Yes. We are back on track, full force. Yeah. Moving ahead. And, uh, yeah. Really? Maybe we even for... might do a mini IMAX review after. Oh, yeah. Do you guys have cool. your tickets yet? Are you guys going if you find studios nearby or theaters nearby? I can't uh, hear you, Christiana. Christiana. You're talking, but we can't hear you. Phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, I literally, I'm not touching it. it I, I just need to buy a new one. I Except it, I'm not confident that that's the problem. So I'm. Oh. <laughs> Bring your computer and come here. Well, what's weird though is it never seems to happen when I'm doing just stuff with me. Like I never pay any attention to it, and it's always fine. It's only when yeah. I'm talking to someone, like on a hangout, that's the only time it happens. Uh-huh. Blame Google. Well, what was your answer? Because I forgot the question <laughs> now. Oh well, I was just going to say that I um, I want to, but I haven't bought tickets yet. I haven't ah, actually. Betty? I I just found out there was an IMAX within. An hour of me, so uh, I'll see if they're actually doing it. Cool. Well, we can coordinate um, dates, and maybe we can do an episode. I know when we've got our tickets for, but you guys check it out, and then we can start a conversation about maybe doing, like Chooch said, that's a great idea, do a reaction show. I'm down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Great. All right, then we're going to say goodbye. uh, Bye, guys. Oh, whoops, we've got love. I didn't cue out the outro. Uh-oh. Well, good, because I'm going to say bye and hi to all of us, Cher Bullock and Steve and Dave Yay. and Nicole. Thank you guys for joining us. <laughs> oh, wow. Everybody started talking. Yeah. Everyone's saying goodbye now. <laughs> That's awesome. The magic mirror, and I see you, and I see Dave, and I see Nicole. Shut up. <laughs> all right. We're out. Thank you again. If you'd like to send feedback to Beyond the Wall, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. That's btw at s-p-e-c-f-i-c-m-e-d-i-a dot com. Or you could send us a voicemail at 704-315-5884. Or you can comment on the web. Go to specficmedia.com media.com and there you'll find a shiny little button to click on that'll take you right to our page this podcast is released under a creative commons attribution non-commercial share alike 3.0 unported license feel free to share and remix just give us credit and don't charge money for it